you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hey, hey, everybody. This is Melissa, and I am not with Dane today. I'm still out in California, and we have had a house guest for a few days, and she's a very special person to me, and I want to introduce you to Rissa August. Hi, Melissa. Hi, everyone. <laughs> That's great. So you wear several hats for Touched by a Horse, and I thought it would be awesome to have people get to know you a little bit and what you do for the company, but also the place you hold in our life as well. So I'm going to do it in kind of an odd way. I'm going to ask you, do you remember the ad that we put out? I think we put it on Craigslist offering the job position it was over 10 years ago, right? Yes, over 10 years ago, tw- 2012. 2012. What was it about the ad? The ad was very short and to the point, but um, asked for some part-time help with admin work and must love animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have these big Bernice mountain dogs. And of course, we're on a horse ranch and we have a lot of animals in and out and stuff. And, and I think I've told you the story, but years ago on my Arizona ranch, I put the same ad out to draw an assistant and this gal pulled up and my dogs were loose out front and Bernice mountain dogs are dressed like Quakers. They kind of live like Quakers. They're very peaceful dogs. And they came over by her car and I hear her screaming to get somebody's attention in the office. And I looked out and I said, come on in. She said, could you put your dogs away? And I said, never mind. The interview's over. It's not going to work because these guys are everywhere. So I was in there. So you came in and it was a little bit different job interview too, wasn't it? A little little different? Yes, definitely. (laughs) The first thing that was requested of me was to take a typology test. And it took about 20 minutes for you to take it. And then I got your results and it's like the Kiersey, uh, well, it is the Kiersey Bates, but it's like the Myers-Briggs if people listening to the podcast are wondering what it was. And so I saw the four letters that represented you and all the numbers were very high. So I knew it was a very true to your real personality and it was exactly what I was looking for. So if people took that test, there were certain markers that they could be that I would cut the interview very short because I knew their natural way of being was not going to be a fit for the job. Job has a ton of details. And so you took it. You made it through that. Was there anything else that stood out about the interview? I don't I don't remember anything I asked you or... I still wasn't clear on what the test was for or anything. <laughs> At that time, I didn't understand it so well but I remember sitting there I was holding Tessa in my lap and it our just, little shih tzu yeah <laughs> and it just felt it felt really comfortable to be sitting there so yeah it just it felt natural it was great so you left you after the interview you left and we had said we'd be in touch and after you left I turned to the other people at the time that were working with me and I said that's our girl that's her I know it is I know she's the one that we want and I think I'm I'm probably going to reach out and hire her and the assistant at the time who was setting up the interview she says we have one more so let's do the last interview and then if it is supposed to be Marissa then you can call her I'm like okay I agree young woman walks in and she sat down and took the test also good scores on her test and then she began to tell me about her current job she ran a certification program and this was 
we were probably three years in on our CERT program at the time. And she had run another one, non-equine, but another certification program for a different industry. And she had tons of background in helping this person put together their CERT program and what they did. And so I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I really am interested in what that person with all that specific experience could bring to the job. So I ended up hiring her. And she had done three interviews that day. And I called you and told you, sorry, I'm going to hire somebody else. Do you remember that phone call? I do. I remember being slightly shocked because I, I was like, well, no, I was supposed to have this job. But um, I thought it was so cool that you called me directly and had a like just a real conversation with me about it. And I, it, it was just so unusual for an employer to actually call personally and and yeah, and let me know why, you <laughs> right, know, what that, your decision was. Yeah, you interviewed great and I was ready to go. And then this person walked in and, and really why I was hoping you would understand what you did my thought process in that, you know, that it didn't have anything to do with your interview. So the next day, the woman I hired reached out and she said, I can't take the job. After all, she had been offered another one, which was super close to her home. We lived out because of a ranch, super close to her home, might've paid better. I don't know, but she wanted that other job. So she took that. And then I'm thinking, oh, I hope Rissa hasn't found another job because I'm going to call her back. So I called you. A couple days went by, I think. And I called you. What'd you think? Yeah, it was about a week and then oh. you called me back, but it was, it was kind of odd um, in the sense that like, I understand it more now, but looking back, I, I was like, I kept thinking that whole week, no, I'm still supposed to have that job. I had this feeling and I didn't know anything about intuition and stuff at that time. But but I had the feeling that I was supposed to ha- still have the job. So I was sort of not shocked when you <laughs> called me and offered it, but I was super excited and happy about it. That's so. funny. You were <laughs> manifesting even when you didn't know what manifesting was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure. So then you start in on the job. And I had two other people working in the office as well. One who was the nicest term I could think for her is a showboat. She was all about, let's all be happy. And you know, she wasn't really about doing the work. And so she delegated an awful lot off to you. And and so it was kind of a difficult start, but I do remember, this is my memory of you, is you had such a complete, straight up, earnest, authentic desire to get a hold of the work, get a hold of this job and do your very, very best. And you took on more and more and more that she was willing to dump onto your desk. And you would say to me, almost every Monday, you would say to me, <laughs> Um, just so you know, I don't think I can get all this done by Thursday. So just so you know, just if that's okay, you were kind of nervous about it. And I'm like, well, Riss, that's job security. If it's ever all done, you should be more worried about that. And I'd laugh, but you, (laughs) you would say it every week. So I don't think you, you got it at first. Oh yeah. No, I, I definitely would. By Sunday, I was definitely stressed out for the next work week ahead. And I remember the first month or so, I came 
would come in on the weekends just to get like the inventory organized or it was for my own like my own sanity like I I I can't help but organize stuff I have to organize stuff so yes I definitely remember being (laughs) stressed every Sunday and I'd come in Monday and be like I don't know how I'm gonna get it all done (laughs) always and I would think to myself she's so dedicated and I love the organization she's got all the right skills how do I get her to understand that this is a rolling rushing river this isn't a job that you say okay got everything you asked for done this week so Monday there'll be a new list I don't operate that way I never have I just keep adding on adding on adding on and things get done when they need to get done (laughs) so it's a very different workflow Yes. And now, 10 years later, I am very clear on how <laughs> you will keep adding new things yeah. more and more. But you don't stress out as much I about it now. I don't stress yeah. out about it. Yeah. I've definitely learned. Sometimes, every now and then. <laughs> Once in a while, I still could stress her out. It's kind of fun. So, well, you learned a lot about the temperament and typology test because I I remember I explained to you many, many times, I said, you know, this is because your numbers on your S and your J are so high. It's perfectionistic. It's wanting to get everything done. It's high, high integrity, all of that, which is why I hired you, but you can't let it make you nuts. You know, you've got to realize sometimes you have to take a breath and something slides. So I know it was a very, very, very different work environment for sure. The EGC, the Equine Gestalt Coaching Program, has been a labor of constant and never-ending improvement. I would say we're going into our 15th year and from the day I started it, I kept saying, how can we make this better? How can we make this better? How can we make this better? What improvements can we make? That's why the work's never done, because we've just grown it into being, without a doubt, the most comprehensive and complete and bolstered you know, equine cert program in the nation. I, I, there isn't one that could compete. I say that with humility, that we've just put our heart and soul, we being my team and I, put our heart and soul in making sure that nothing could catch us. You know, we're so, so far ahead of it. And that takes a lot of thinking on a lot of people's parts. And I definitely want to thank you for your contributions to it because I'm not a high J and I'm an innovator. I'm like the creative visual architect of the whole thing, but I'm not the detail person. And so I've on purpose surrounded myself with people like yourself to be highly detailed, to come along and add all the systems and the details in place for us. So thank you for doing that consistently. And then you grew. And at what point did I have you take over the merchant account? We fired the cheerleader chick. (laughs) Yeah, that was almost immediately. Yeah, the contrast was too great. Yeah. Yeah. I think a couple months later, I let her Mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. and did that. But were you doing the merchant account right from the beginning? I feel like I was, yeah. Back in the day when we'd have to type into a little machine somebody's credit card and it's a, it was a lot of work compared to now everything's online and digital and still a lot of work, but very different reality on doing that. And then watching the program grow. So I think at the time you came on board, I'm going to guess here, but I think we probably had maybe 15 to 20 graduates. 
that had gone through the program the whole way. Do you think there were more than that? Yeah, uh, maybe a few more. Yeah, somewhere around that, 15, maybe 20. That would be the high side. And from that today, last count that I saw was like 270. So it's a lot of people that have come through the program and and we have we maintain about 55 students in the EGC alone at all times. That's kind of our number that we stay pretty close to. And your job, which changed over time, because my other employee, who I, I loved dearly but was not a detail person, we, we would have the students sign up to fly in from out of state and come to the core training. And I do remember this happening twice, and she was handling all that. And I had people show up and I'd say, you're not in this training. You're in the one, two weeks from now. And they'd go, no, no, really, I am. So-and-so told me I I definitely am. (laughs) You and I'd look at each other and go, there is something broken on this registration system. So today, you've been governing that for a long time. I haven't seen that happen one time. And it's a lot of changes, a lot of moving parts, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely a lot of tracking. <laughs> and um, I tend to triple track. <laughs> check and double and, check. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot because they fly in from everywhere, including outside the U.S. And we pretty much put my calendar out way in advance and then you put out okay here are the trainings you can select from and then we have a process that they start selecting from but that's always that's still a stressful time because that's always yes you got this one no you're on a wait list for that one a lot of dialogue back and forth yes absolutely and and things come up and people have to switch or cancel and and you know and then you want to get other people in and and so there's it's it's almost like a puzzle piece and it is fitting everything together and whether they're staying on site or not yeah it's a lot to do And then about six years, five or six years ago, we started the advanced program, the master's program called Gestalt Coaching Method. And it is for the EGC graduates to deepen their work. But the first year that we did GCM, the people who were advising me felt that it was really important that we offered something to the public that was non-equine. So the original concept of GCM was anybody could come in and take the Gestalt Coaching Method program and then the the EGC would be equine. So that was kind of the idea. So we had three people from of the 12 from outside of the equine industry come into it. And do you remember you approached me for you to do that? Yes, I was actually really nervous to ask you and I just remember I mustered up everything <laughs> and I'm like, Melissa. <laughs> And your, but your response was like amazing. So you thought it was a great idea. And I was like, really? (laughs) I I was so excited. Yeah. And you did a great job. So you're not certified in the equine side because you're not a horse girl, but you're, you're certified out of GCM. And then after that time around, we did figure out that that didn't work very well, that I really wanted it to be the advanced program for people that already had the underpinning learning of EGC underneath them. So today it is a program that we funnel from the 35 graduates down into the top 12 that take the GCM. So it's changed quite a bit. And you actually, with your background in business, because you had a good strong background in owning your own company and doing wedding coordination amongst a million other things you've done with your 
professional life. And it's brought an ability for you going through GCM to be one of our coaches for that program. And and I think you love wearing that hat, right? Coaching the GCM students. I do. I love it. Um, it and it gives the students a different perspective of me. I'm very different as your employee for Touch by Horse as than I am as a coach. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a totally different hat, and they love you. They all tell me such great things, and I think they're surprised too. They're like, what? (laughs) Wow, she knows her stuff on this business stuff. I'm like, yeah, she does, so it's it's awesome. And she's nice. And she's nice. (laughs) I think they all know you're nice, but I I will say if people get behind in their payments to us or they tell you we're going to run, you can run the credit card for that amount on this day, and then it still doesn't run, and because they didn't follow through or whatever that's probably the worst part of your job is trying to be polite but also have them understand the company's paying you by the hour to deal with their irresponsibility I'll say it so you don't have to (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I think for me it's all about communication and I think like that's another thing I learned with typology is working with different temperaments and do you remember in the beginning I was like Melissa, I don't understand why people don't operate the way I do. Right. (laughs) But now I understand. Right, exactly. Yeah, you'd send some very direct uh, communication to coworkers or to students or whatever, or even to me, and be like, whoa, we're real blown back. And what I know is that you're a high sensitive feeling person, so it was never intended to be mean or anything. It's just very, very direct. And... I appreciate that about you because we, when we're working, we've got our thinking hats on and the emails and stuff are direct and they should be. And when we're not, then we can play around and and do all kinds of things. And we've had a lot of different employees hired over the years. Oh my gosh. After you to be an assistant for both of us. And some have worked out and some have not worked out at all. We were laughing at dinner last night about some of them. Oh, my gosh. You know, sometimes in a small town that sits out away from the metropolitan area, it's not easy to find people that will come to work and, you know, make a long drive or you're doing it from a pool of people that don't have that kind of background for them. So we've we've made our mistakes in hiring, that's for sure. We've learned a lot and, and just revolving through them, we think, wow, where are the people that can listen well and apply themselves well? And and we're fine with the learning curve, but you know, they've got to be willing to, to do the learning curves. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd.
In the midst of all these years in your personal life, because you and I over time got to be, I think, really close personal friends with everything. My daughter had just passed right before you came into the company, or was she passing during that time? Yeah, I um, came in about six months before Molly passed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was going back and forth to the Nebraska Medical Center. Honestly, I probably wasn't the most present boss at the time because my heart and, and soul were with her in the Nebraska Medical Center waiting for transplants that did not occur. And then the loss of her and the memorial and all of that. Wow. So interesting time to come on board, right? And to watch my grieving process and and to go through that. And sadly, you never met her because she was already in the hospital. No, I, I chatted with her on the phone but I never got to meet her in person. Yeah, you would have loved her. She was very, very physically frail and emotionally strong is the way I think spiritually strong. Um, young woman for sure. And so, gosh, the first 18 months then that you were with the company, uh, I'm sure I wasn't who I am today. I'm sure I was, I know I was filled with a lot of sadness and distraction, but I kept kept it together and kept everything going and had a chance to just shut the whole thing down because I was so sad or step up and do what I knew it was my turn to to then go do, which I'm really happy that I did. And a, a little while later, that was my my sad journey that I was on that you were so supportive of me. And a little while later, you had been battling some things in your own health. And would you be willing to share like what your health journey's been? Yeah. So in 2018, I was diagnosed with a tumor at the base of my brain. For about seven years before that, I felt like something was off or wrong in my body. But I was diagnosed in 2018 and then went on to have brain surgery in 2019. Yeah. So here's this employee and friend who I depend on like my right arm. I mean, I depend on her a lot. She does a lot of different things for the company and and pretty much anything I personally need her to do, she's my go-to, you know, of the employees that I go to first. And I, I'll never forget the day you told me, you know, it turns out I have a tumor in my brain. I mean, it, it really stopped my heart and made me think, whoa, this beautiful young woman who's so strong and athletic and vibrant and brilliant, what the heck, you know? And Molly was one of three in the world with her disease. And you found out this one also is very rare, right? Yeah. So the tumor causes a rare disease called acromegaly. And there's only about 22,000 people in the U.S. with diagnosed with this disease. Which out of 300 million, 22,000 is, is rare, super rare, super rare. So yeah, so then you find out you have to have this surgery. And I mean, if our listeners can even imagine what it feels like to be told we're going to remove a tumor from your brain. I can't think of anything more frightening really to to contemplate like wow, that's a touchy area. Please, I hope that the surgeon hasn't had a fight with their spouse that morning or drank too much coffee or had a bad day or road raged on the road, right? You want to make sure they're in top form, you know, to go do this. So we had the date of that surgery in front of us for a while. In fact, I remember it, one of the hard parts was getting all the tests done, everything done, getting everybody to get it ready so you could finally have the surgery. So I thought you handled yourself 
myself with a lot of grace then, Riss, really not getting as stressed out as I tell myself I might have gotten. But what did, how did it feel when that date was, you're still working, and yet that date is paramount for you? Yeah, well, I was definitely feeling pretty sick at that time. And it was about three or four months to finally get the surgery, which felt like forever. And I was like, I have things to do. I need to get on with my life. I have my job. I I have my athletics and my life. Like, so I, I just felt very impatient and probably didn't even really understand what it meant until, well now (laughs) as you look back you now realize you might should have been worried about it yeah interesting and so we have this date and because we're in denver we're located in denver the night before the surgery you had to be there at 5 a.m and i definitely wanted to be there waiting for you in the waiting room as well so at 5 a.m and as luck would have it the night before in comes this huge blizzard and i remember calling you going riss you got to be at the hospital at five. You need to get whatever rest you can tonight. I don't think it's a good plan for you to stay in your house up in the mountains and just kind of hope you can get down here as hard as this surgery has been to get. And so I said, why don't, why don't we get two hotel rooms, one for you and Joe, one for me down there next to the hospital? Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Um, Yeah. And so we were a mile from the hospital and I'll just never forget the next morning you were already sitting there waiting for me. And sorry, I get choked up around that. And um, there you are waiting for me and went through pre-op with me. And I remember you giving me the biggest hug before they took me away. And and then that's all I remember. <laughs> well, that's good because you were under anesthesia after that. Yeah, I wanted you to know you've got this. You're going to be good. You're strong. You've got this. And we were in the waiting room for several, several hours just hoping and praying that everything was going to go according to the surgeon's plan, that everything would go really well. And the divine smiled and it did go very, very well. And they did, it was successful. It certainly wasn't the end of your treatment saga, but definitely the surgery itself went well and and you were able to go back to more clear thinking and more detailed thinking. Anything else you want to say about further treatment or anything you just on this podcast you want to say about it. One of Rissa's passions is to have people understand what agromedically is and understand that they might be having a relative or themselves or some friend in their life that's saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm thinking as clearly as I used to or all the different symptoms that that really occurred in your body to not give up if the first doctor says, well, it's your hormones. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. To keep pushing, trust yourself, which is what you did. Trust yourself. Nope. Something else is going on. I know me. Something else is going on. Anything else you would encourage people to watch for or to do? Yeah. Well, first I want to say like it. I, I've come to realize now it's a, it's a lifelong battle for me. If it's diagnosed in time, you can potentially live a, a fairly normal life. I never will get to. With that said, um, I have the best boss in the world who like 
because I'm constantly in and out of doctors and getting testing all the time. And not to mention my energy and my body, a lot of it, it doesn't operate the way it used to. And so I'm, I have so much gratitude for Melissa, for you. And then I get to go on and talk about acromegaly and rare pituitary diseases and um and melissa is a huge support in that and she's been a a major support in really helping me excel and push my message and get it out there so thank you so much absolutely you know maybe it was all those 24 years of having my daughter that that showed me that people can have physical challenges whether they be physical mobility challenges or illness challenges or whatever. And the world should respect that and say there, but for the grace of God, go I. And so if I need to be a little understanding about somebody saying, I just am not feeling good today. Can I make this work up tomorrow or over the weekend? You know, we happen to have a business that most of the time can do that. And we have a staff that most of the time can support each other and, and pick up where somebody else is not able to do something. So I'm glad, that's where I'm glad I'm queen of my own world, right? Because I get it. And you have never been anything other than a stellar uh, person at your job. So don't don't even worry about that. Even at your worst, you were more careful, more detailed, more, more strong than a lot of other people who have no excuse. So in there, but yeah, look up agromegaly and learn about it because I think the the real thing is, while we say there's 22,000 people diagnosed, there's probably twice that in people that are not diagnosed, that just think, wow, what is wrong with me? Why am I fatigued? Why am I this? Why am I that? So definitely get it checked out. So now you would think that with that description of this, because she has to take injections, it's not an easy treatment that she's on, that she might, you know, learn to be a person that's more like me on the sofa, relaxing. You know, my idea of vacation is going somewhere where I can have a good cocktail, a nice meal, a pretty walk on the beach, just kind of gentle, right? But not this girl. She's a top competitor with herself on, of one things, of cycling. And so can you put in words, uh, and she had to ask her boss for this too. This one I told her, don't ever ask me for this again. But she did a bike ride. Now imagine this, I wouldn't even want to drive it from Canada to Mexico on a bicycle. So tell, tell us a little bit about that trip and what that was like for you. And especially having to get injections in different places and have everybody understand it. Yeah, well, I remember um, barely able to get off the couch or walk to the mailbox, and um, but I knew I needed something, like I needed something to work toward. So I thought I would ride my bike down the Pacific Coast Highway and from Canada to Mexico, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but I I felt like it was it was just a goal. It was a goal for me, something to ignite something in me that felt was lost a little bit after after surgery and radiation treatment. So that's what I did. And so it turned into, okay, maybe I'll try to bring a little awareness to rare pituitary diseases. And then it, it kind of um, expanded from there to going on and doing much more patient advocacy work. Absolutely. And so how long were you gone? Because in my work world, it felt like you were gone a year. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I forgot about that part. So I had to ask, figure out, how do I ask my boss for six weeks off of work? (laughs) So, um, yes, I was going to be gone for, well, the ride itself was 41 days. So, and then tack a few on the front and end of that. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So then she tells me it's a six week, it's a personal challenge. And I'm thinking, yeah, I want to support her doing this. This is great. I can't believe you're going to do it, but I know you, I know you'll train for it and you'll get ready for it. So when is this? And it turns out if you've heard our podcast for a while, or you're part of our T-Bot community, you know, the only time of year that I ask everybody, don't get sick, don't get a twisted ankle, like be at your top form, is our weekend of summit. And so, of course, when was this ride? <laughs> During the weekend of summit. <laughs> Six weeks right over the top of summit, all the prep time and all the follow-up time. So we made it through that. We wanted to support you doing it. Everybody in the community knew what you were doing during Summit, and they were all in full support. And we were watching your Instagram and your Facebook to see how you were doing. And you've done a lot of fun trips since you've come to work for me. You also did the one with the mountain, the big mountain. <laughs> yeah, so that was early on. I had I asked you for a month off <laughs> to um, climb to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. <laughs> yeah. So she got that month off. I think that was the second year she worked for me. How many people want to come to work for me now? I'm probably getting a lineup now. I have all kinds of emails. But that the scariest part of that is I remember we were all training was going on and everything was great. People were asking about had I heard from you and you know, you don't phone home from Nepal. And really, things weren't as they are now. It wasn't easy to send a text international or that kind of thing. So it wasn't that type of trip. So I knew I might not hear from her for the whole month. But that terror accident happened on the other trail. Yeah, I think it was big avalanche that came through like the day after we arrived. Yeah, yeah. like two trails. Mm-hmm. And, and thank God you had taken the one that did not have the avalanche. But we had no way to know that for that whole month. You know, is she buried under rocks in an avalanche? Because they were saying all these different people, a lot of Americans that lost their lives in that avalanche that time. So yeah, about that time, I thought I need to teach this girl how to vacation with me because that does not sound good either. But you have continued. You've just done so many good things in addition to your job. And now uh, this year you're planning on uh, a ride in Spain. So what is that ride? That's a 500 mile bike ride uh, along the Camino de Santiago. And so there is a lot of research going on over there for acromegaly. And so I'm hoping to go over there and make some noise about that. Yeah. How many people will be on that ride? On that specific ride, about six. About six. So actually, as this is coming to air, this podcast is coming to air, if you want to ride in Spain with Rissa and you think you could do 500 miles on the Camino Santiago, please do reach out to our office at Touched by a Horse because they do need one more person for that trip to be a go. And your hotel's included and everything is there. I mean, it's a really first class bike trip. And so if you're a biker and you want to do something or you're married to a cyclist, 
cyclist and you want to do something like that, let us know because we're really on the hunt for that one person that might be the person to fill in that trip. And gosh, you get to ride with her and who wouldn't want to do that, right? So absolutely fantastic. So over the years, you've seen the company change a lot. What have you witnessed and what have you seen as we've grown? Because I can't even put into words how many things we've launched over time. Oh my gosh. I just, the word expansion or just, it's just expanded so much as I started. And I love my role and the role of our office staff because I feel like we we're we're able to support you so that you can continue to expand and come up with these brilliant ideas and uh, yeah i i can't it's hard to put it into words and i think what i learned from you in all my rigidity <laughs> is how to be more flexible and open and I love how you are so not afraid to take risks and try something. And if it doesn't work, whatever, you move on and try the next thing. Usually it always works. (laughs) But I just, I've just learned so much from you in that way. It's been so amazing to be a part of it. And she didn't always feel that way. So I'm going to throw a little (laughs) shade her way because at one point EGC was going along really, really well. And I don't remember what the tipping point project was, but at one point I said, oh, I had this great idea. So this is what we're going to do. And you you took a deep breath and you go, do you ever stop innovating? And you said it with a little tinge of like aggravation in your, your voice because things would just get squared away and on an even path. And then I love to shake it up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'd finally been like, okay, we're coasting, easy going, everything's smooth, right? And oh, let's add something else. Yeah. I get bored easy. So let's add another thing. And we're not going to say what on this podcast, but I have two new projects going right now. So two or three, I don't know. I just found out about. Yeah. I I just told her. She joined uh, my husband, Dane and I down here for a week and just so fun to have you here. And gosh, we've just been, we've been kind of on a vacay because I put in all that time in those three GCM camps and it depleted me pretty good. So coming out here is my chance to do different project kind of work and teach class, but also get some time away to create things. And so gosh, today we're going to the movies together and we went to our friend's retirement party last night with some beautiful music and it was really a blast to do that. We're going to my favorite island restaurant tonight called Poe's. And I don't know what else. I think we're going to hit a casino tomorrow and play a little roulette. So we're just having some fun along with everything else. So that's awesome. Anything else you want to add on this podcast from yourself to our listeners? And these are global listeners. We especially want to do a shout out to the people in Ukraine that follow this podcast faithfully. And we are also following the very sad situation your country is in and definitely saluting your president. He is an amazing hero around the world. So thank you, Ukraine, for listening in. Anything else you want to add, Rissa? Thank you all for listening and being a light in the world. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So if you're interested in any of our programs, let us know, touchbyahorse.com. If you want to reach out for that bike ride, write to office at touchbyahorse.com. You guys know as listeners, you can always reach me through my email, M-E-L-I-S-A at touchedbyahorse.com. Very open to your ideas for this podcast and topics and questions that you have. Definitely had some listeners send some amazing questions in that we address on the podcast. I want to do a shout out to our hopethroughhorses.com. That is a 501c3 that is a partial uh, supporter of this podcast and make it happen. And we're very grateful for that. They do a lot of things. As as my friend Kelly Lamfair says, they do things, all things TBA, which is our acronym touched by a horse, all things TBA. So lots of good work that they do in the world, supporting people in getting our training, supporting our practitioners and providing service and and really supporting the population that we serve to get those kinds of assistance from our practitioners. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening in. I will bring Crazy Dane back out. Oh, that's one topic we didn't talk about. Well, how would you describe the relationship between you and my crazy husband, Dane? <laughs> Definitely brother and sister. <laughs> Oh my gosh, these two are non-ending teasing and jabbing at each other. Like just, it's hilarious. It's really fun to be around. And they, they like two little kids. They can't leave each other alone with the teasing. So it's like, oh my gosh, you two. So they have a lot of fun, but he loves you and we love you. And just so glad you're a part of T-Ball. Thank you, Riz. Thank you. Yeah, you're my family. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks everybody. Blessed be. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.